Welcome to The Thought Hackers, the show where you will learn how your mind works and discover how to change your thinking from leading experts and through inspiring stories. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Nathan Siegel of The Thought Hackers. Today with me is Nick Pereira, who I met some time ago uh, as a result of doing shows on what they they'd call Google Hangouts on Air, and I believe is now known as YouTube Live. So a little bit about Nick here. As one of the most captivating speakers to hit the stage, Coach Nick is a dynamic energy that is a highly sought-after resource for large and small businesses, event planners, nonprofit organizations, and community leaders who are looking to expand their impact in the world by strengthening their people. Coach Nick has dedicated his life to the science of human development and his unique ability to take complex processes and present them, present them in simple, actionable steps have translated into bottom line results for his clients. So thanks for joining me today, Nick. Oh, you're very welcome. It's my pleasure, Nathan, and I'm, you know, we've been friends for some time, so I'm always excited to do something with you and chat with you. It's always enlightening. Yeah, yeah, and with and with you as well. It's it's been fun over the, over the the years that we have known each other, and so you know, as you know, because you've looked over the the list of questions that I ask with the show, it, it's about people who come from difficult situations and go through whatever transitions they they need to go through to come to the other side and uh, to not only survive but to thrive as well and I remember I wound up watching your webinar where you were talking about how you were building your coaching business and I remember seeing the graph and there was this one area at the very beginning where there was an awful lot of red and then eventually <laughs> <laughs> eventually started moving into the green but what I'm and I remember you talking about your decision to become a coach and why you wanted to become a coach what it meant to you but I also remember that you you went into a bit of a nosedive afterwards and and I'm wondering like when did you realize that things were not working? Oh well I think from a financial perspective I started to recognize that pretty quickly you know when the bills started coming in and realized okay I don't have enough clients here to produce the cash flow that I wanted as far as being able to just pay your you know regular bills um, but I think there's a deeper recognition that something wasn't working when I realized that I just myself I was very angry, I was very frustrated and while I was trying to, you know, think positive and be positive, uh, I had a, a lot of underlying negative energies in me. And so I came to the recognition of that. I can't say there was one event, but I think through, given what I do as far as being in the personal development and being on a spiritual journey myself, I think that over time I just really started to recognize that things aren't okay, that we're suffering, and not just me, but everybody is. We're all suffering. But yet we live in this illusion like we're happy. We try to put on this show that we're happy. So I don't know at exactly at what point if there was this specific moment of recognition, but I began to recognize and see how I wasn't living very happily or joyfully. And I also began to see that in, in most people around me. Yeah. Yeah, I can appreciate that. So when you were when you were going through this, like, was, was there a, a place that you would call like your worst moment in this or 
Was it just sort of like I, I don't know how to ask the question that. Yeah. Well, you know what? There was definitely times where it gets low. I remember one specific time comes to mind where, you know, I thought that I would have this deal work out and this deal would sort of put me into a, at least a, an okay financial position and get me out of the red, sort of say. And that deal didn't end up working out. And I remember that night just laying in bed and I was next to my wife, Sarah, and I was crying and I was just, I was just like, I said, I'm done. And she said, oh, you're going to quit? Like, are you going to quit coaching? I said, no. I said, what I'm done with is feeling like this. I'm done just feeling this way. Like, this is what I'm done with. I'm done, you know, feeling the scarcity and feeling this, always this under pressure or under the gun type of feeling that I realized uh, that I was living in. So there was there was definitely that times. I mean, I, I also had a smoking addiction where I smoked, um, you know, lots of, marijuana not recreationally but a very um you know daily use type of smoking and uh that was also i i don't relate to it as being dark but it was definitely a challenge that i overcame and it's definitely one of the most uh, things that i would say i'm most proud of because if anybody you know listening has going through or has dealt with any kind of addiction, whether big or small. I don't know if there's such thing as small addictions, but you know, you know, it's a tough, it's a tough go. And so I've definitely had those moments uh, in my life where it was like, wow, this is, this is rough. This is dark. And so those were a few of those dark moments, but that night comes to mind where I just felt very dark. I felt very hopeless. But it was interesting. It was in that hopelessness where I had said, I'm done with this. I'm not, I'm not going to live like this anymore. I don't really care what the circumstances are. This isn't going to be the way that I continue to live my life. Right. And that's a good, that's a very important realization. So in, in the wake of that, like you said to your wife that you're, you're done. And so I'm thinking, okay, great. But what did you do to change it? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, immediately nothing. It was more of an internal decision of, okay, I'm done like this. I'm, I'm done living in this way. And I started to make a choice to be happy. And I know that may sound um, very either woo or very simple. Like, oh, it's got to be more than that. But that's my personal experience was that I was just like, no, stop. I'm going to choose to be happy no matter what's going on. And nothing really changed at first in the sense of I noticed I did start to feel better. I started to decide that, you know what, no matter what the circumstances are, let's put on some music. Let's, you know, let's, let's eat something different. Let's put some creativity into life. And so this began to send me on a path of um, discovering what joy meant. And, you know, it, it first comes to this place of contentment and acceptance. You know, happiness is often fleeting, very up and down. It can be very related to the circumstances. It's difficult if you're going through, let's say, uh, you know, you've got bills that are piling up. Um, it's difficult to say, hey, put on a smile and be happy. Think positive, right? This is, you know, this is sort of kind of caught a bit in, in some, you know, some of the what I would call neophyte coaching circles, right? You know, it's kind of like this whole like, you know, okay, it's positive thinking, you know, just think positive, it's gonna work out. 
I was like, well, it's a lot deeper than that. Yes, I'm a big advocate of positive thinking, 100%. Um, but, you know, to tell somebody, hey, just think positive when the bills are piling up or when they're dealing with a real problem, maybe a death in the family or someone they love is going through something, um, you know, ha your happiness will be disturbed. So what I started to realize was that happiness was very circumstantial. And what I learned, started to strive for was contentment, acceptance the ability to stay neutral within the ups and downs of life. And this is the material world with material problems and real problems. And the nature of the material world is problematic. When you solve one problem, you'll notice that another one tends to show up. And then you solve that one and another one tends to show up. And so once there's an acceptance of this is the nature of the world we live in, then there becomes a, a more of a peaceful way of being. And I think that was the big thing, is I started to learn to accept life as it was. And what's interesting is that when you're able to reach that point of accepting it as it is, you're still gonna have challenges, there'll still be ups and downs, but they don't throw you off as much, or at least they didn't start to throw me off as much, where I would go on these downward spirals. And then in that acceptance, there was new action being taken. You know, um, staying, staying consistent on the things that I knew I had to do, even if I wasn't seeing the results right away. Uh, being able to be present with people, even though I had stuff going on in the background. And this started to bring slowly and slowly and slowly, started to bring more joy and, and more joyful experiences into my life. Oh, wow. That's, I, I like very much what you said, especially the the acceptance, the, the understanding that this is the way things are, it makes an enormous difference. And, uh, and I'm going through some of that myself, so I, I really appreciate where you're coming from now. And one of the things I seem to recall from our previous conversation, uh, conversations, rather, is that uh, you have a background in NLP, is that correct? Um, somewhat, yes. I mean, through coaching certifications, we get certified and we go through NLP training. And I've worked with um, Michael Lozier, who's one of the top, in my opinion, uh, neuro-linguistic programming uh, technicians or practitioners out there. Yes, I know of Michael. Uh, let's see, he, he's involved with the, the Law of Attraction books, if, if I remember correctly. Yes, that's correct. He was uh, featured on Oprah a few times and had a... Um, He's uh, Oprah's Law of Attraction guy, but what's interesting about the way he teaches Law of Attraction is he really comes at from an L NLP standpoint. Yeah. He really talks about how your words are creating um, the vibration or energy or emotions, let's say, that you're feeling, mm -hmm. and then based upon these emotions, there are certain actions or results that will happen. So while he is teaching Law of Attraction, he breaks it down to a really he uses NLP to help you create that style and I'm very similar I really focus in with the words that people are using and how they're using language to create or to destruct um, what it is that they want so when you were going through your recovery from this this low point and and doing these different steps were you using NLP as part of that process or or something else yeah, absolutely. I mean, I worked. I was working with a coach, a life coach at the time, and I worked with this coach for five years. Phenomenal, phenomenal woman who really helped me transform my life and 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 go through some of those tough times. And I would say that if anybody is going through a tough time, uh, you know, whether it's a you have some kind of mentorship, whether you have to you know invest in a coach or invest in 
somebody who's going to mentor you or you have somebody in your circles that's willing to do that. Whatever you got to do, try to get around some people that can mentor and see you through. And one of the things that we focused on week in, week out is the language that I use and how I use my language to relate to situations. Uh, so yes, I was definitely using NLP at the time. Perfect. And still do. Yeah, yeah, of course. Well, the, the other thing you said, and, and you said it a couple of, well, several times, is language. And that's something I discovered on my own many years ago to do with where I came from and how the language was incredibly uh, destructive and designed to create as much pain as possible, which is why I asked you about it because I was thinking, hmm. Like, so as an, could you give me an example of something that you would say to yourself when you were going through one of those low periods when to as a way of getting yourself out of it yes um it's difficult to lie to yourself i think this is important so a kind of another what i'm going to call it neophyte coaching sort of um uh, technique that's being propagated is affirmations and, and I do believe in affirmations but there's a way to do them and you have to be very specific in your language so the first thing is to recognize you can't lie to yourself like if you look at your bank account and it's not where you want it to be and you say well I'm rich I'm rich I'm rich and people say well I'm doing my affirmations every day it's not working it's because you can't lie you can't say something that's not true your own your own inner little voice won't let you get away with it you know it'll say no you're not or it'll 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 talk you out of why it isn't true so one thing that i used to say is i'm in the process of i'm in the process of creating a business that i enjoy see i can believe it i can believe that if i said i've got a business that i'm loving right now i that was not true so I can't, I couldn't lie, but I could say I'm in the process of creating a business that I love because that was true. I was, you know, creating my business. I was working on it. So one of the things that I use is process-based language rather than outcome-based language. And what I mean by that is giving yourself the break and telling the truth of process. Well, I'm in the process of getting happy. I may not feel happy right now. I may not feel joyful right now. I may not have the circumstances that I want, but I'm in the process of doing it. And if your little voice says, well, no, you're not, or how, you can show proof. Well, yeah, I am. Look, there you go. I, I made a post today. I recorded a podcast today. I talked and connected with a few people today. I worked on my program today. So I could start to prove to myself that I was truly in the process of doing something. So I use process-based statements to create the momentum of getting motivated. And another thing is that, uh, you know, kind of a little side note, I guess, is people don't understand motivation as well. Well, I'll wait till I'm motivated, then I'll take action. But motivation is actually a result, not a starting point. Motivation comes from doing something over and over again and beginning to see the results, and then you become motivated. A practical example is, you know, generally, if you're like me, I don't feel like going to the gym, <laughs> or I don't, right? You know, my little voice will be like, ah, oh, you know, you can stay home, or you can relax, you don't have to do this yoga, or you don't have to go to the gym. This is a little voice that I have. Well, once I start doing it, and I start to feel good, and go, oh, yeah, I got a sweat on, or I got my, you know, I, I, I'm feeling good, I'm happy, I'm here, then my motivation begins to increase. And then as I begin to see more and more results, 
I begin to increase more in motivation. So that's another thing too, is to avoid any sort of conversation of motivation. Let motivation come as it comes. Uh, use process-based language and statements to give credit to what you are doing and continue highly to focus on what you're doing and try, try as best as you can to avoid what's not working or what you're not doing in, in your language. I'm not saying don't take a look at it, look at it, but then move quickly into what am I doing and stay focused there. Yeah, I like what you said about the motivation part because I think a lot of people get hung up on that. I've had issues with that myself and I like the idea that you, you have to create some sort of forward momentum in, in order for this, this motivation to begin to kick in. And there's so many different programs that talk about motivation, but they don't talk about what you just said. It's like a missing piece. It's like some of the stuff to do with the, the law of attraction. I remember encountering things that were, I liked what I was seeing, but I was looking at it going, yeah, but there's something missing. Mm -hmm. and yes. You know what I'm talking about, right? Oh yes, for sure. Okay, so yeah, so just hmm. I, I, well, I kind of want to explore that for a little bit, if you okay. if you wouldn't mind. I mean, I have some yeah. things I've written down here, but I, I would like to talk with you a little bit about that missing piece, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, no, not at all. So, in in your experience, what have you found that's missing in that? law of attraction approach? Uh, the big one is action. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, that's the big one. Um, there's nothing in, in, in to state or to show that we do not have to take action to acquire the things that we want or to develop the lifestyle that we want. Also, a big piece that's missing in Law of Attraction circles is what is actually in your ability to attract or not. So, um, you know, generally we can understand that this universe is a universe of energy and attraction, and like energy attracts like energy. And this is scientifically proven. Scientists and Western scientists and modern scientists are exploring this and confirming that, yes, there is that mainly everything is energy or matter and like attracts like. So this is very uh, sort of becoming common knowledge now. But what is not common knowledge is how does it work or what is it really that you want to, how does it, how do you use that in your own life? So a couple misconceptions I would say is one, you attract what you want. You actually do not attract what you want. Like energy attracts like energy, meaning you attract what you are, not what you want. So one thing is, is, is a big missing piece is focus on what you want and then, it will, and then it will come into your path. That is on a very high level a true statement. On a deeper level, it is missing a lot of gaps. There's a lot of gaps in that. Uh, you cannot attract anything that you are not in harmony with. The big one is money. Okay, big one most people want is I want to attract money or I want to attract the right soulmate or partner. You know, these are some very common ones. Um, if you are not in harmony with whatever it is that you want to attract, you won't attract it because the subconscious mind won't allow you because you don't deem it as harmonious with your thoughts of who you are or your self-identity. This is another thing that's not talked about in Law of Attraction, is that most of your thoughts are happening at a subconscious level. 
-hmm. So most of the things you're attracting are at a subconscious. You don't even know why you're attracting it. You have no idea. You think, well, I don't want this. I don't want this. So you got to really look at who you are rather than what you want. And law of attraction really focuses on what I get, what I get, what I get. And it generally doesn't work for people because, this is my opinion, of course, the universe does not care what you want. It cares what you can give. Yes. If you begin to focus on what you are going to give, then naturally what's attracted to you is the support system to that giving. So if I plant a seed in the ground and it's in the right soil, the seed will then attract all the nutrients it needs out of the ground because the environment will support it and it will then flourish. You see, the tree or the seed is not concerned about what it's going to get it is in the business of giving. And because it's in the business of giving, the universe naturally supports it. And that to me is the biggest piece that's missing and frankly destructive about how the law of attraction is taught, which is still very materially based and based upon what I can get. But as soon as you switch your mindset to what I can give, then you will notice the synchronicities begin to flow to you and you get breaks and you get that phone call or you know you go to the grocery store and you think you're buying apples but you end up talking to the guy uh, you know that's selling you apples and you end up developing some kind of conversation that leads you to some opportunity uh, this will happen only in the place of service though and and those are a few misconceptions that I see the missing pieces sort of say to the law of attraction yeah, they're really important too from what you're saying. So it, so when you switch your mind from what I want to giving, you're creating a, a different uh, harmony, if you will, inside yourself. And as a result, it, if, I, if I understand you correctly, then you will, that's where the attraction will start to come in because you're not s focused so much on me, 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 and on others. And, and it will change the, dy the dynamics, correct? That, that's exactly it. Um, why it doesn't work for most people is because they're focusing on themselves. And generally, here's another thing that, again, a little, and I get your language has a lot to do with this. This is why NLP and law of attraction are often coupled together because let's say, I want this, I want this, I want this. So you're putting out a desire to say, I want this, but remember that the universe does not respond to what you want, it responds to what you are. So as soon as you say you want something, then what is it that you are? You are in lacking. Uh -huh. And that's why you attract more lacking. So people say, but I want this, I want this, I want this. Why isn't it working? Because what you want and what you are are disconnected. So how you shift that is gratitude. I am grateful for the income that I have right now, and I choose to use it wisely. Ah. Now that's a different vibe. You're showing gratitude for what you have and this begins to expand. So what you want puts you automatically in a state of lack. You know, there's a wonderful thing in Bhagavad Gita that says, uh, the man who wants nothing has everything. Because yes. the man who wants nothing is never in a state of lack and therefore seems to live opulent. Um, and, and this is the oxymoron that unless somebody really dives into their spiritual studies deeper, then they won't understand that. They don't get it. They're like, well, he must want all these things. He can attract it. 
actually the man who's living very opulent at some vibrational level is living in a state of uh, in a state of opulence. He is living richly within, and therefore, without he produces those results. Interesting, very interesting. So this conversation has wound up going in an entirely different direction from the way I thought it was going to go, and yet. I've really been enjoying what we're we're talking about so far, and so, like in in terms of what you've been learning with the the law of attraction, what you've um, internalized, uh, and that may not be the right word. There's another word I want to use, but it's escaping me. In this embodied, there we go. Mm. So, in in your journey, what is the best piece of advice you've ever received? Oh. That's so good because uh, that's just such a hard question. I thought on the I kind of figured. That, yeah, I was like, that's going to be a tough one because ultimately um, I've received tremendous amounts of advice from so many great people that it, it's so difficult. But uh, let me let me think of something of a best piece of advice. Well, I'm going to stick to the theme of what we're talking about right here, right now, which is become service oriented, become a giver, givers gain. The, you know, the meaning um, those who those who serve first and think about themselves second always seem to be happier, more joyful, and receive the things that they want. So, one of the best pieces of advice I can get I can give. I remember it was it was actually in a sales meeting, and it was the first time I've ever been to a sales training. This was years ago, maybe six, seven years ago. And I was sitting in this seminar and my coach was giving this training, about 50, 60 business owners in the room were sitting around tables. And she writes up a flip chart and it says, go into their world first, serve first. Not that go into their world first. She said, this is what sales is. Sales is going to meeting someone and caring more about what they need than what you need. He says, here's why so many people aren't very good at sales. They go into sales scenarios thinking about what they want, but sales is actually service. So yes. go into the scenario thinking, what is, how can I serve this person? How can I help them get what they want? And what ends up happening is you end up creating more transactions or sales because the person knows that you're there to help them and not to get anything. And I think once you can actually genuinely and authentically, and you have to train yourself because you have to know that by nature you're selfish, right? Like at least I'll talk about myself. I know by nature I'm selfish. I know by nature I, I by my fear-based mind wants to think about me first. It wants to, I got to get this sale. I got to get ahead and all of these type of con conversations. Now I'm not really in that space anymore, but man, was I in that space for the four, first few years of my journey of entrepreneurship, um, and it took practice to get out of that space and to genuinely trust the service process to say, you know what, let me just get up every day, let me talk to people, let me help in the best capacity I can and in the best way that I can, and the more that I serve and the more value that I bring to people, it just so happens the better that I do in all areas of life. So I think that was one of the best pieces of advice I received go into their world first, serve first. Yeah, I like that. And it tied into my next question quite be beautifully. So beyond that, in terms of people who are looking for information, what's an internet resource that you, you recommend? As a whole, 
um, uh, as a or as a, like a platform? You mean like it? You know, it's a good question. I, I'm looking at the question that I've written here, and it's just it could be a platform, it could be uh, a site, it could be whatever it is that you find that you've discovered over the years that you really like and you keep coming back to. Sure. You know what's funny? Um, I, the first thing that came to my head, so I'll go with that, was YouTube. I yeah. really enjoy YouTube. Because? And, well, because there is so much education there that all you have to have is a will to be educated. YouTube, I'm telling you, I listened in the last maybe two weeks, I've listened to two different audio books plus a few different lectures on on you know uh, I listened to the science of getting rich by Walt uh, Walty Walters which is a phenomenal yeah. book about um, wealth in the service way or wealth in the material way and he talks about the difference of two the difference of both and then the last audio book I just finished um, listening to is called the game of life by Florence Scoble Shin and she really brings in the metaphysics of the Christian teachings of Jesus and really explains universal laws in a wonderful way, in a simple way. She really talks about language as well. I got those for free. Those are priceless resources. Those resources, that knowledge is priceless. People yeah. would pay thousands and thousands of dollars to understand that knowledge, and it is available for free. So. I say YouTube is a great resource. Go on YouTube, type in how to, whatever it is, how to be happy, how to be joyful, how to use the law of attraction. But also use your own discrimination. When I mean discrimination, mean use your wisdom, right? Listen to yourself and say, does that resonate? Like stretch yourself and say, okay, that stretches my belief systems, that stretches what I believe is possible but also educate. Don't just listen to one person and say, okay, that must be it. Listen to a few different people. Listen to many people and see if they say the same things. Generally, if you're seeing successful people all saying the same things, then you might want to give it some attention. But if there are contradicting things, which you will find, then you still have to use your own personal experience. Mentorship and education should be coupled with personal experience not just taken at face value. Even with what I tell people, I tell people, I'm like, this is my experience, I'm gonna tell you what I know from my experience. You should take what I tell you and you should couple it with your own experience, what is ultimately true for you. Yes. So I would say YouTube is a great platform and I've named a few books as well that you can check out. Yeah, sure, and I like YouTube as well. I've especially enjoyed uh, actually getting introduced uh, through television through to these two guys Penn and Teller uh, fool us which oh, I, yeah. which I found to be incredibly inspirational and I just love watching these magicians are all incredibly professional and talented and confident it's just one of the most amazing things I've ever seen and so YouTube uh, uh, for someone who's looking for inspiration as an example for me, that's one of the most inspirational things I've ever seen. So, but, you know, beyond that, I, I, I'm really glad you chose to to join me today. It's it's been a while since we've spoken. It's it, it been even longer since we've done anything together in the form of uh, either a podcast or a hangout on air. So, beyond what we've spoken about today, is there 
anything that comes to mind that you would like to talk about that I haven't asked you? Hmm, that's a great question. I mean, this, this from what I gather, this, I, I love the name of the podcast, by the way, Thought Hackers. Thank you. I thought that was brilliant. Yeah, I thought that was, that was fantastic, really nice. And, you know, diving deep into the science of thought is so important on any journey. In my opinion, it should be thought, it should be thought, thought, taught. <laughs> uh, thought should be taught in schools at a young age. One thing that we should be conscious of as a whole is the way that we are thinking and how it affects our perception of life. And it is our perception of life that truly begins to put us in harmony with the things we want. You cannot condemn something and want it at the same time. And I'm going to use money as an example because that's where I see it the most. I see people condemning money. Money is evil. Money is bad. I don't need any money. I'm okay with what I have. But at the same time, they have this desire to want it. So this is an incongruency in your thoughts. Mahatma Gandhi said that happiness is when your thoughts, words, and actions all line up. Yes. And I really, from my own experience, the more that I've become congruent, in my life, meaning my thoughts, my words, and my actions are lining up, then the more effective I am in the world, the more I am effective to be able to create things that I want to create and to let go of things that I don't want to, that, that, that maybe I, I want something but it doesn't pan out for me, I can accept it more and I can also, what I call, um, just letting it be, meaning just let it be, it obviously wasn't meant to be for me in that way. It doesn't mean you give up, and it doesn't mean you, 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 um, you know, you got to, again, you have to use your own wisdom there. But generally, the things that I want that are outside of any sort of real benefit to others are always a pain in the butt to get. <laughs> right? Sense. Like they're, yeah, yeah they're, they're generally my own selfish desire, and they generally bring some kind of hardships with it. There's sort of this work, this, this very strenuous work that has to be done. When I line up with things that I want that are also beneficial to others, mm -hmm. it tends to go smoother. And so what I would encourage anybody who's listening to this podcast is check in with yourself and say, do my thoughts, do my words, and do my actions line up and it's okay if they don't, you're human. It's part of the process of being human is to get these things to line up. Say, where can I line them up? And focus on one thing at a time. Try not to do the big overhaul. Tomorrow I'm gonna change my life, everything is changing tomorrow. You know, I'm, 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 I'm letting go all negative thought patterns and habits tomorrow, and tomorrow I'm gonna be completely positive and joyful for the rest of my life. You're setting yourself up for a tough road. Yep. Take one thing at a time. Okay, you know what? I could be more harmonious with the way that I think about money. And then begin to bless your money. Begin to say, thank you so much for the money that I do have. Oh, wow, there's somebody who's enjoying their money. I'm, I'm grateful that they have money to be enjoyed. Bless other people's opulence, and whatever you give, you end up receiving. So if you can't give it in the physical, give it in the mental. And as you give it in the mental, it begins to uh, show up for you in the physical as well. Yes. So for those of, um, for the people who have been listening or will be listening to this, 
how can people find out more about you? Yeah, sure. So look up uh, Coach Nick on Facebook. Uh, I'm very uh, active on Facebook, so you can check out my Facebook page, Coach Nick. You can also go to becomeafreedompreneur.com. Uh, there's no www in that. It's literally just type in becomeafreedompreneur.com, and it will take you to the Freedompreneurs Club. And the Freedompreneurs Club is my online training academy where I'm working with entrepreneurs to generate more sales to become freedompreneurs using the new online economy, using the new online world to generate uh, to generate nice lifestyle for people. You know, the online world is a wonderful thing. But just like anything in life, whether it's a television, a phone, it, it's how it's used. You know, some people say the internet is bad, the internet is making us disconnected. The internet is not making us disconnected. We were all, always disconnected. It's just showing us how disconnected we are. The internet is not doing anything. It is just simply reflecting what we are in a virtual platform. So use it wisely, and if you use it wisely, you can be part of the few that are actually changing their lives and creating a positive impact by using the tool of this wonderful thing called the internet, which is connecting us. Like, look at me and you right now, Nathan. You know, we're connected, we're friends. We've never met uh, in person, but I call Nathan my friend. I've known him for years. We've done things together. We've had conversations. This is amazing, and this is all possible because of the internet. So for me, I'm very harmonious with the, with the internet and what it can do for people. Yeah, totally agree with you. It, it's I forget exactly how we met, but when we did, there was there was all this overlap. And before I knew it, uh, it's like, oh, we're friends now. That's cool. How did that happen? But it, it, <laughs> it, it happened in like so many other things. And just to to cap off with what you said, like the the process of giving, it was something that I learned uh, about from my friend Roland Takaoka, and. I remember talking about it in a business marketing group and they said, you're crazy, that's the worst thing you could do, blah, blah, blah. But I wrote an article in two parts. I told them about the first part without telling them about the benefits of the, the other end. So there were all these judgments. And then when I shared the benefits, they were just shocked out of their socks. They were just going, no way. And I'm going, yes way. I mean, if you do something which I believe Roland called it selfless giving, and then, mm -hmm. then the dynamics change dramatically, and things work in a very different way than what we were taught. So, yes, absolutely. And that whole piece of selfless giving. giving um, so, my spiritual practice is called bhakti yoga, and and bhakti means devotion or service, yes. and and it's about and. It's difficult. It's very difficult. Like I tell people, it, you have to first acknowledge your selfish nature. Mm -hmm. You have to first recognize in yourself, because again, we live under this delusion of, oh, well, I'm a good person. I'm really a good person. I, you know, I, I, I'm not a murderer, Nathan. So obviously, I'm a good person. Well, it's like, well, yeah. I mean, I mean, I guess. All right. If you compare to, 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 to it, it's like, it's like, what's your comparison, right? You know, but. If you don't compare and you just ask, am I selfless? For most of us, at least for me anyways, the honest answer was no. No, I'm not selfless. I, I'm very selfish. I have a lot of desires and things that I want for me and my benefit and it really doesn't concern others. Mm -hmm. And so what ended up happening is I take to a spiritual process that, and to me, in my opinion anyways, all spiritual processes are actually of this nature 
is it gets you to be selfless and the whole dynamic of life begins to change and it really begins to work in your favor. Agreed. Agreed. Thank you very much for taking the time to be with me today. It's uh, great to reconnect with you and I look forward to doing more of this in the future. Yes, myself. Thank you so much for reaching out. I, I so appreciate it. I was so happy when I saw your email and, and saw the podcast you have going on. So congratulations. Thank you very much, Nick. It was good having you. You've been listening to The Thought Hackers. Make sure you subscribe and get each new episode emailed straight to you so you don't miss a show. And have a look at our resources page where you will find programs, audios and books that will create change in your thoughts.